Welcome to the College Scoops podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we are talking with Adam Shlomi about how he started his business, SoFlow Tutors, while attending Georgetown University. I think people should think less and do more. So rather than think about the project that you want to make and sort of plan out how it's going to look, it's really nice and easy to plan before you do a big thing. But the sooner that you get to doing, the sooner that you're actually going to make progress on what you're working towards. And you're also going to have a much clearer vision and you're going to be adjusting and making progress. This is the College Scoops Podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops on everything college-related, and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members, free eBooks, and even a College Scoops care package. Adam Slomey is the founder of SoFlow SAT Tutoring. He went to Georgetown University, scored a 1570 out of 1600 on the SAT, and now SoFlow annually helps thousands of students. SoFlow offers online SAT and ACT prep to students around the world. They have 100 tutors on their team. When Adam founded SoFlow a little more than two years ago, he was bedridden, recovering from ankle surgery, with doctors saying he may never walk again. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Adam. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. Well, we love talking to entrepreneurs. You're a Georgetown grad. You're a student who is an entrepreneur who started their business in school and now is working to really help high school students and college students get the best test score that they possibly can and help them in all different aspects. So that is why we invited you on our College Scoops podcast today. Awesome. So I'm Adam Shlomi, the founder of SoFlow SAT Tutoring. I went to Georgetown University, scored a 1570 on the SAT, and now SoFlow has about 100 tutors on the team. But when I started SoFlo about two and a half years ago, I had broken my ankle with doctors saying I may not walk again. I was home from Georgetown taking the semester off without a lot going on. And I started doing online SAT tutoring. I was a kid who grew up with an inter- a computer in my room. I always loved the internet. And by sort of hustling hard and getting good reviews and doing good work, we've been able to scale up to about 100 tutors on the team. But I think one of the exciting things about SoFlow is, and that we've really seen with COVID in the last year, is the internet as a democratizing force for education, where we've been able to make SAT prep a lot more affordable and accessible for families who couldn't afford a high-end SAT tutor before, or who couldn't make it work into their schedule, or who lived internationally. And so we've been able to give access to top quality test prep to a lot more people than otherwise would have been. Well, I think that's so important now because you are just... Recently, when did you graduate? Remind me. I graduated in 2020. So I had a COVID uh, graduation, didn't walk a stage. 
which is so hard, but you have just graduated and you know how much college costs. So everything going into the preparation of college, attending college is really expensive. So having the opportunity to help students who don't have the ability to spend thousands and thousands of dollars, SlowFlow has been able to do that. But can we go back first? Were you always good at taking tests? Like, how does that come? Was that natural for you? I was always good at taking tests. I really liked testing at school because I was really bad at homework. And I was really bad at writing, like with good handwriting. Like even now, my handwriting is so bad that I was featured in the Wall Street Journal under an article, I'd be an A student if only I could read my handwriting. And so I wasn't good at staying organized. I wasn't good at doing my homework. I wasn't good at coming to class prepared and having everything neat. But if someone gave me a test and they said, you have to do really well on this thing for three hours, I could crush them. And so I always liked testing because I felt like it, it gave me a chance to show where I was shining. Okay. So you and I would have been the best partners. I would have done the homework for you and you would have taken the test. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was not a good test taker, but I was great at my homework. So that is something that came natural to you. So I started as 15 and my mom was taking me to all these different test prep college companies. She really always wanted me to go to a great school. That was a big ambition that, that she had for me. And when I was 15, there was a company, College Experts, where I was supposed to go there for tutoring. And then they hired me when I was 15. I was one of the youngest people in the room, but they saw me speak with a parent about a scholarship exam at a local high school. And she was like, I saw the way you spoke with that mom over there. I was really impressed with that. You should come work here. And so I started tutoring kids. I remember the first time I ever tutored, I tutored someone who was 18. I was 15. I was so nervous. And I taught him how to use his calculator because I felt that was like, someone's like, I'm not going to teach you math. Teachers have been trying that for years, but maybe I can get you good at your calculator. And so I had built up a lot of experience and skill being in a room of a test prep company, seeing how that company runs. So then when I had my broken foot, I knew kind of how that industry would work and how that business model ran. And I thought that I could do it better than had been done by my previous employer. Well, the fact of the matter that you had the presence and the ability to walk in as a 15-year-old and overcome that initial probably shock that the 18-year-old had of like, this kid is going to teach me what? means that you had the presence and the ability and the business sense to kind of focus on a skill set and help people in a way that's impactful and that's demonstrated, you know, on a test. So you started then tutoring when you were young and 15. Did you continue when you were at college? My freshman year, I got a job at a company, College Vine, that's kind of transitioned and gone through some struggles, but they really did SoFlow before what SoFlow is today. I never really got a student from them, but I saw like how an online SAT tutoring company would run. And then I always thought I would get back into it. Like I remember my sophomore year, I printed out the SAT test thinking I'll do this on the side while I'm still in school. But time is such a scarce resource for a college student. I could be better spent like seeing John Kerry speak. And that always seemed like a better use of time than being an SAT tutor in college. And then I think if I had a company that made it as easy as SOFO, I probably would have gone for that route rather than like my on-campus part-time job. But I always wanted to do it and I never really had the time. So then when I broke my foot, I finally did have the time to commit to a project. So how did that come about though? You're sitting there, you're, you're recovering. And as you said, dealing psychologically with a whole nother emotional aspect of like, yeah. I'm physically injured and I may not be able to walk again. And then not falling down that path of being depressed and ultra negative to the point where you can't think about anything, let alone starting your own company and launching a business. I really think it was like, I had been going very, very fast in college, right? Like there's a lot going on both academically, socially, And then once I broke my foot, I still committed to doing a lot of things. I was going to classes and I was, I started reading a lot of books because I couldn't do as much. And then I came home and I couldn't really, like I could get books delivered to my door at Georgetown. I couldn't do that at home. So I was reading less. There was no online class options available, which is crazy to think about two years ago, Georgetown 
refused to have an online class. Um, they wouldn't let me take any classes at another school or transfer. So I really had nothing to do. And this was an immense shock going from just waking up at Georgetown. I felt like a professional where my inbox would be flooded before I even woke up to having zero activity. And that was really hard for me to just to go from, from so fast to so slow that I started working on projects. And I was really interested in entrepreneurship. I had been taking entrepreneurship classes. I had wanted to start a company. And so I thought this would be a good experience. I thought, I'm just going to do projects as learning opportunities. This way, the next time I build a website, I'll know how to do that. The next time I hire people, I'll have more experience hiring. I never expected it to go far. I just thought, I'm going to go do the best that I can for something. I'll teach myself from the internet when I don't know how to do something. And this project-based learning seemed to make a lot of sense to me. So your premise is that the business model, it's always been online. We were in person for like a, a very short time, maybe one or two months. Okay. And the idea was that we couldn't find smart people in South Florida. To find someone who crushed the SAT in South Florida, it didn't really exist because they've all moved. They've all gone to the West Coast or the Northeast or they're not here. And so we were just able to have a much, much better pool of people when we went to the Northeast. Like as an example, the first tutor that we hired is a great guy, very smart, but he was someone who came to Florida because he had to go to a rehab clinic and he stayed and he crushed it. But like after sorting through 500 applications, this was sort of the only guy who had a really high SAT score that we felt had the right demeanor for a kid. But even then, like, that's not someone who I think if I told a parent that would go super well. Uh, and so we had to just move to online for the, for the quality of talent. And I think you made a good point, even in your introduction, when you said at 15, you went in and somebody mentioned the presence that you had and your ability to talk with parents. You can be a real good test taker, but that can't translate into your ability to teach it. We always say, if you can teach the subject, you really know it really well. And that doesn't always come with somebody who can ace the SAT. Yeah. Even now in our hiring process, the first thing we do is get on the phone with someone and sort of talk to them. We don't talk about the test. We just talk about who you are, what music do you like, uh, and say that there's someone who we think could get a 15-year-old, 16-year-old excited, that they want the job and that they're, that they're normal, that they're well-adjusted. And then the second thing after that is we start giving them practice tests and see how they can explain things. Mm -hmm. But the very first thing we test is social demeanor and how someone speaks on the phone. And we ignore all the questions about how smart they are. Well, you said you've worked with a couple different companies and is that kind of what you took out? Like what really resonated, what worked well, what didn't work well? And because you were young, you were just in their shoes a couple of years ago, you could relate to them. Yeah, I think hiring was really broken. I had a lot, a lot of thoughts about hiring. And so the chance to like make a hiring process was really exciting. Like one thing is like, I hated cover letters. I thought cover letters were a joke. And so now we have no cover letters at SoFlo. And then I think another thing is, Companies don't do a lot to get the applicant excited. So part of that phone call is just saying like, hey, this is a cool job. Like here's what the job is and trying to pitch that job to someone. And then having a lot of quick touch points. Like I think the worst thing that happens to someone is they go through a job and then they don't get contacted again. And so trying to make sure that every applicant gets at least some notice on where they are in the application process. That's huge. When you talk about the fact that you receive an application, you go through that process, you have a first call and just keeping them in the loop as to where they stand in that yeah. application process. So then in terms of your outreach and how you get the, I mean, there's one thing about, again, starting a business and then trying to market it in this kind of cluttered market, don't you think, in some ways? I mean, how do you guys do that? What's, how do you say Yeah, that? so we started recruiting at sort of top schools. Like, I think because we, because I went to Georgetown, I knew like, here's what the Georgetown market is like. Here's sort of who you're competing with. Uh, in person, like you're either competing for on-campus jobs that pay whatever DC minimum wages that year, or you're competing with like a few test prep companies who will shuttle kids back and forth. 
and then you're competing with banks who want someone for a junior year internship, you're probably going to lose to the bank because that's a career. The in-person test prep companies, they sort of have their funnels built out already and they're happy with them. But we can definitely beat the on-campus work or like work-study jobs because we can pay a lot more. And so the idea was how do people go and find their work-study jobs? Maybe they find them on billboards or in post-it boards. Maybe they find them through the career center. But whatever way you would go if you were looking for a work-study job, I want to be one of the options. So on Handshake, on one of those platforms, you're... Handshake has actually been that? out for us because I think a lot of people go to Handshake for careers. Some schools also use it for on-campus jobs, but a lot of people right. go to Handshake for a career. Like when I was going to Handshake, I wasn't going to be the staff attendant at the gym. I was going to work at McKinsey. That's the frame of mind that I approach Handshake with. And I think that's made it hard for us to recruit on Handshake. Okay. And the students that you're recruiting, so they're current, so the tutors that you're recruiting are current students. Generally, it's a mix. So it's like grads and undergrads. I think undergrads honestly perform the best in the interview process because they're the most excited for the job and they know the test really well because they've taken it themselves pretty recently. But I think it's important to have a mix where there's some kids who need someone who's a bit older there guiding them. But I would say like 50% undergrad, 25% recent grad, 25% grad. And do you do any type of subject matter tests? Our prime focus is sort of test prep. And then we do college counseling. And if someone likes us and they say, hey, my son has a math exam. Mario is pretty good at teaching him SAT math. I'm sure he could teach him algebra. We'll let that happen. We don't refuse to do it. But we're not actively seeking out algebra two tutoring uh, as our main business. Right. So what was the hardest thing about starting this? I mean, you had a lot of experience going into it. You had a lot of ideas, but running a business and being an entrepreneur, and then, as you said, hiring and then running the business and then marketing it, what was a challenge that you have? Because we have brought on many entrepreneurs, student entrepreneurs, and we've like, share your success stories, share the lessons learned. What advice do you have for some students who are looking to start their own business? So the hardest to get is always customers. Like to get someone who's willing to pay you for the thing that you want to do. I think I knew that was going to be the biggest challenge. I knew that's why most startups failed. And so when I started SoFlo, like my only focus was how can I get more people interested? How can I get more people on the phone? How can I get paying customers? And every other problem will eventually solve itself. And I think to this day, like how can you get more customers? Like that's going to be the thing that stops most people from growing. It's normally demand issues rather than supply. So that's still the problem that I deal with today. It's been the problem for two years now. And then in terms of like my advice, I think people should think less and do more. So rather than think about the project that you want to make and sort of plan out how it's going to look, it's really nice and easy to plan before you do a big thing. But the sooner that you get to doing, the sooner that you're actually going to make progress on what you're working towards. And you're also going to have a much clearer vision and you're going to be adjusting and making progress. I think a really good first step for everyone to do is to make a website. If you have an idea, Squarespace has this model, a website makes it real, that I, that I really agree with. Go put your idea on the internet. You'll start messing around with the messaging. You'll have a clear idea of what you want. People will take you more seriously. And then from there, you can go elsewhere. But like starting with the website is a very good, strong place to start. That's a great idea and great advice. I know that being an entrepreneur myself and trying to launch a business, you could get into that thinking mode where all of a sudden you don't come out of it. And all of a sudden you come out with this idea and you started too late. Your approach and your goal was also to be accessible. So offering tutoring at prices that you guys offer means that so many more people can afford to come to you guys. Yeah. So our standard price is $60 an hour, no contract. I think that's a very fair and reasonable way to do business where if you like us, you'll use us. If you don't like us, no hard feelings. You're not buying a package up front, but there's still a lot of people who like a $60 an hour rate, even with inflation is expensive. 
And so we also have a scholarship program. And right now we're running three free classes uh, with Achieve Miami and then a few more with Yes Prep and sort of other charities that we partnered with. I think even more than just from me, but from all of the people at SoFlow that work here now, there's a real big idea of sort of giving back and making education accessible. And I think that's nice to sort of see a culture where other people are very happy to step up uh, if asked to do something for charity and, and really excited to work. Absolutely. And I think your generation is very keyed into that and they want to give back and it's trying to find something that's meaningful and in alignment with their own goals and values. hundred percent. Actually, one of the first uh, small problems I ran into, we were trying to recruit more tutors and we started running Facebook ads for them. And I showed it to my business professor. I said, Hey, I can't believe like nobody wants this job. It's a great job. And one of the things he said is like, if I was a young person right now, I'd probably want to be told like I can control my schedule. I can make good money. And then I can do something that's meaningful. And so we made our scholarship program a much bigger part of our recruiting process. And that really made a difference. People are very excited to find out they're going to work for a company that does good in addition to a company that can give them money and give them a job. Absolutely. So that's Georgetown. Were they helpful? You mentioned you had, you had always thought about entrepreneur and taking some entrepreneur classes. Did they have an entrepreneurship program? There's with an entrepreneurship them? program at Georgetown that's led by a guy, Jeff Reed, Professor Reed. And in terms of like helping me start my business, like there wasn't a ton of support there. It wasn't like someone was going to teach me how to do accounting, but I took a class called foundations of entrepreneurship where they brought in really successful people and they just spoke. And so you'd see sort of the the different ways to be successful, that there's not one way and there's a lot of different patterns, but then there's also rhymes between how the different people carry themselves. And you kind of see yourself in them and you say like, which parts of me do I have? Which parts of me are not in these guys and these girls? And you get a much better idea of sort of whether you should or should not be an entrepreneur. And I know that class for me, every time I left that class, I felt very, very excited about building a company. Was there anyone that you said, oh my gosh, I'd love to work for them? Luke Schoenfelder. So he's the founder of Latch. He's a young guy. Latch is a big, successful access company. They make a really nice lock for a door that can sync up with your phone and sync up with FedEx. And if you've ever lived like in New York City and you have to get a package, this makes a lot more sense. But this was a guy who I was just like, wow, he is smart, moving with a lot of confidence and also making a big impact pretty quickly. That's not easy to do, as we know. So in terms of Georgetown bringing in different um, professionals and and supporting you in that way, do they have a, a program for alumni that you can reach back and tap into at various times to help you as you reach your next growth stage? I still speak with Professor Reed and I like give him an update and some of the other people at the entrepreneurship program. There's like scattered Georgetown Alumni Association stuff. Like there's the Georgetown Alumni Association of Miami. There's one that's like just for Hoyas and tech. That's like very San Francisco Bay based. But I like to keep my head down a lot. Like I really want to focus on the projects that I'm working on and SoFlow. And then outside of that, I, I kind of want to live my life to the fullest. But I haven't really looked out for like community entrepreneurship networking or programs as much. I feel like time spent networking is time that I should be spent working. That's like my personal philosophy. Maybe I'll realize that's wrong in a few years. No, no. I think when you're the one person running everything, it's kind of like you pick and choose. So just out of curiosity, what was the reason that you chose Georgetown? Was it something for all students who are out there now kind of fine tuning these juniors coming up to senior year? What was it that stood out about Georgetown? I wanted to go into politics and public service. I thought public service was sort of the way to make the biggest impact for the most people. I worked at Deborah Wasserman Schultz's office. I really thought sort of I would I would be a civil servant or maybe a politician. And then I went to Georgetown. I met all these politicians. I met all these civil servants, and they were all very smart and they were all very hardworking, and they were getting very little done. And the ability to make change and move the needle in government it was broken. 
and that's a huge problem, but it wasn't a problem that I as an individual was going to be able to fix. But so I started seeing these startup people who were smart and hungry and they were really making a big change. And I thought, wow, well, I could probably do something similar to that in the private market. So for example, like if I was interested in education reform and went into education policy, which a lot of people do, probably wouldn't really be able to change any one person's education so much unless I got really lucky. But with SoFlo, we've been able to help thousands of kids get one-on-one education and sort of make a difference in their life and teach them math that they might not have learned or teach them grammar rules and sort of give them more foundations and basics because we have this sort of this private market option. So I thought of startups as a way to do a lot more good and to make a bigger change than if I was going to go into the public sector. And what was the driving force when you were in high school of why you chose Georgetown? One is the speakers were really good. The speakers at Georgetown were just world-class, like really interesting, exciting people would come all of the time. And you get to really hear about how they think and who they are. And, you know, since I've graduated, I don't get that. So I really treasured that when I was there. Um, And the second thing was Georgetown felt very professional. And it felt like if I was going to go to a liberal arts college, I would probably need to go to grad school and I'd have to learn how to do something afterwards. But if I went to Georgetown for four years, I would walk away being pretty capable and able to handle myself in a professional setting. And I think that's proven true. So advice to any of the students that are incoming freshmen at Georgetown would be get involved in as much as you can and go to as many events as you can. Any speaking event that you can go to, go to, because you will just learn a lot more than you will in your classes. So what do you wish you knew before attending college? I recently had a trip to Alaska with one of my college friends, and we were sort of thinking about this question. I think the biggest thing is I wish I knew how to manage my calendar and my inbox more because I know my first year was really overwhelming to wake up with 25 emails. And this was coming from a high school student who never really had an inbox that he checked. I wish I had learned a little bit sooner and a little bit faster how to be productive and and organize myself because I really had to learn on the fly when I got to college. That's really important, I think. And I think we all, I, I love these answers because everyone has a different answer. And if you took all those answers combined, we would crush it. Like if any kid is out there, I'm going to take the segments of everyone answering these questions. And I'm going to tell my youngest, like, go to school and listen to these lessons learned. That's the best advice you could possibly have. We are all about food at College Scoops. So are there any favorite places on and around Mm. Georgetown? So there's a restaurant called The Tombs that it's like a campus bar. It's very nice. It's, it's not, it's not overrated. Like there's a lot of places that are like generically the college that kind of suck, actually really good food, nice bar, cheap drinks. It was closed for COVID. Like it was, I could not eat there when I went back to campus in January. I hope it's open now. I'm not sure of the status, but it's an institution. It's been there for a while. The dining hall sucks, unfortunately. (laughs) There's so much around though, but then to that point it's expensive. So then students have to get a job. So Yeah. It's also not as close as we think it is. There was a company that did an off-campus meal plan and they failed at Georgetown. And one of the reasons that they learned was that students don't walk by the off-campus restaurants at Georgetown every day while they do at UVA. And so you really need to be able to walk by the place that you eat. You can't go out of your way for food when you're a college student. So at Georgetown, you really end up eating the dining hall a lot because you need to eat and there's not a lot of options on campus. That's interesting. No, and you're right, because as you've said consistently throughout, time is precious. So it's not as if you have the time to walk 15, 20 minutes to go grab something and then come flying back because that eats into everything else. Did you have a favorite job? I worked at the student center and I was like sort of like hosting events and I would like move chairs and stuff. And it was nice because like it's, it was a very low stress job. 
And then when I wasn't working, I'd sort of be on my computer doing homework. I'd see people wander in and out of the student center. I liked my coworkers. It was a good on-campus part-time job. I like it because you see everyone or yeah. you get to meet so many people or you're like, okay, I've heard about that person. So it's a great way. If you're not that outgoing too, and you want to get yourself out there and meet people, that's one way to do it yeah. at the campus but, center or the library or the rec center. Those exactly. are other. <laughs> Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Adam, for joining us today to share your story as an entrepreneur. Starting a business while in college is not easy, but you had a mission. Slow Flow Tutors provides accessible and affordable test preparation services to thousands of students. Starting a company may seem like a daunting task, but with the advice you provided us today, one can ease their way into the entrepreneurial world. Remember to think less and do more when starting a business. If you have a business venture that you are eager to pursue, put your best foot forward and begin your journey today. You can find all of our notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com podcast. You can learn more about Adam and Slow Flow Tutors at slowflowtutors.com. Please take a couple of minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.